how to flourish in the faith. Will you turn with me to the Psalms, please? Psalm 92. It has 15 verses, and we're going to read all 15 verses. And then we're going to pick some things out. We're going to encourage you in the faith. We're going to show you about flourishing in the faith. Psalm 92, please, verse 1. It says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon the instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn, thou shalt thou exalt, pardon me, shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies. And mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Keep your Bible open there for we will refer to it. Let's pray. Father, again, take your word. It's your word, not mine. And we pray that your word would encourage the hearts of your people. That your word would challenge us. Lord, that you would even convict us. And Lord, that you would compel us through your word and your spirit to live according to thy word. Lord, that we will know how to flourish in the faith. The faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Lord, make yourself known, we pray, this morning, through your word. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts as we leave this place to go on with the living God. There's none like you, none before you, none beside you, Lord Jesus, there is none else but you alone as our Savior. There's no unrighteousness in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you alone are our righteousness. So, Father, we pray that your word would find a lodging place and that it may grow in our hearts. And, Lord, that we may grow in you. For Jesus' name's sake we pray. Amen. How to flourish in the faith. And say the faith. He's talking about faith. What faith? It's the faith once delivered unto the saints. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ alone. Because there are many different faiths, but they're not true faiths. 
many different faiths and different religions, but they're not true faiths. They are religious in a way, but they're not true. They're not real. Sometimes when we hit a bump in the road or a devastating time, or just like the ones we spoke of this morning to some of the families in our assembly, we, we dig deep, as deep as we can, but we find that sometimes our reserves have run out. We find that we can't really find the strength to muster even prayer. We wonder, Lord, where are you in this situation and how do we get through it? And you know, sometimes when we get so low, we feel there's nowhere else that we can go. And what we don't realize is that sometimes when we're at that place, that's the best place for you to be for then you're taken out of the equation. When there's absolutely nothing you can do, nothing you can put your hand to, when there's nothing you can change and you feel so hopeless and helpless in the situation, and only God is the only one who can step in. And if he doesn't step in, then you feel you're finished. That's when faith matters the most. And it's there where you need to learn to flourish. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there at times. And it's hard and it's difficult. But we need to let faith flourish. Even if your faith is simply the size of a grain of a mustard seed. That faith can move a mountain. That's mountain-moving faith you have. In fact, even for you to come into the building this morning to want the praise, to want to break bread, to want to remember the Lord Jesus and to want to sing the songs and, and to want to hear his word and what God will say through his word this morning, what you find is that that is faith now, present today, operating in your life. You're here because faith has brought you here, but it's not any faith, it's imputed faith. It's faith in Christ that Christ has given, imputed, when you came to him at the cross. Some question the, the author of Psalm 92. It just says at the, at the start of it, a psalm or a song for the Sabbath day. And you know, some question, who is the author? Is it David? Is it Moses? Was it one of the other, uh, uh, was it Asaph? Or, or who was it? We don't really know, but one thing we do know, we know the real author of it is the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is the author of this psalm. So we're left without a doubt that this is God's word. The Holy Spirit has had it written down and that the Holy Spirit has it now for you this morning and for me. And even in circumstances that has even changed the message that I had to bring this this morning, even that through that, the Holy Spirit, God the Father knew. He knew all about it. And he has already had it led for you to be here to hear a word of how to flourish in the faith. And sometimes I, I think, well, Lord, how do I apply a word like this to people who are finding things really difficult? How do I apply a word like this to people who are struggling every single day for such a long period of time and they seem to get no breakthrough? And look, so many people are having different struggles and different fears and different worries. And as our faces differ, so do our needs. But the thing is, I don't need to know all of them, although I know most of them. I don't need to know all of them because the Lord knows all of them and has brought you here to encourage you. So you're here by divine appointment. You're meant to be here this morning to hear that God is for you. He is not against you. 
You're here to hear this morning that he loves you with an everlasting love. You're here to hear this morning that his grace is sufficient in times of struggle. Even when we feel it isn't, even when we feel we can't, even when we feel all hope is lost and gone, we have hit rock bottom, we have no strength, there is no other hope, then it's at that point you realize that it is his grace that abounds over sin. It is his grace that is sufficient. And by his strength and power, you will be raised up again. Notice this, the proclamation of verse 1 of our psalm, our reading this morning, is the call to the saints who have been wayward or weary or downcast, even become lethargic, even ungrateful saints who don't realize what God has done, fearful saints, worried, sick in body, whatever. Here is the first thing we're called to give thanks and sing praises unto God. Now, the last thing you and I want to do when we're feeling like that is to sing praises, to give thanks. We look for things to thank the Lord for, but the things that are, are hindering us and the things that have come against us and the things that are hampering us and the things that have torn us down, as it were, those things are the things that we see. I have given you the illustration before. If we have a, a large, pure, brilliant white sheet and I hung it upon this wall and everyone was to look at this large, pure, brilliant white sheet, but upon it was one little, tiny, itty-bitty speck of black. A little bit of dirt has went on it. Everyone's eyes would focus to the dot, to the speck of dirt. Everyone's eyes would focus upon it. We see it and we miss the whole whiteness of the rest of it. For example, when we go outside and the sun is bright and shining in the sky, we don't look at it with a naked eye, but with a hand up, our hand covers the sun. And the beams, the glory, the light of it will shine around the sun. The perspective of it is that our hand is closer to us and blocks out the whole power of that great big sun that's bigger than the whole earth that you're standing on or sitting in today. Just by your hands through perspective. So when we need to look at perspective in the Word, and what God says about us, and what God says for us, and what God tells us to do, and when we know it and when we apply it, it's then that we realize we start to flourish in the faith. It's no good coming to church and saying, well, I'm coming to clock in for an hour, an hour and a half, and and then we're going to go home again. It's no good to come and clock in the church and and say, well, we sang a bit and we broke bread and we we heard a, a word preached, but it's not, it's just another Sunday. It must be taken, it must be chewed over like cud taken home and born in our breast and, and in our minds and our hearts that we will say, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you telling me that I will, I will be able to flourish in my faith for my faith is weak? We need to get perspective on God is bigger than all of our problems. Brothers and sisters, God is bigger than all of our problems. We continually speak about how big our giant is and how big our mountains are. Instead of now praising and saying, Lord, I know how big my God is. Almighty and powerful. All sufficient for all that I am and have and need. So give thanks and sing praises. And many of us will come in this morning with our public church face on. Come in with our suits and our shirts and our ties and whatever else we 
and our, the ladies will come in already for church. And, uh, and whenever we go home, we, we, we tend to take the face off because we're trying to put up the front that we're doing fine, but we're really in the heart, in the mind and in the heart and in life. It's such a struggle. And we wonder, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to change? And, and really what God is saying this morning is that he wants you to flourish in faith, not in your own strength, but in his. One old Puritan once wrote that sorrow commonly comes on horseback and goes away on foot. Sorrow commonly comes on horseback and goes away on foot. And that seems to be the way it is. It it comes so quickly and suddenly upon us that hurts and trials and anguish and, uh, and sorrows come to us and they take so long to leave us and to go away. We don't seem to get rid of them as quick as they come but nevertheless, in this, there's the working out, there's the, there's the learning in it. We find, find sometimes that the tidal wave that comes against us that so quickly and easily sweeps over our being to drown us in its wake. It takes so long for us to recover and to deal with it. We think we're going to go under for the last time. But here's the word of the Lord to those who feel they're going to go under. It's Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. He says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Is he your Savior this morning? then he is the same God who said that when we pass through waters and rivers, when we pass through fiery trials of our faith, that he says, not that I will rupture you over them or take you away from them or keep them completely from you. No, he says, I will be with you and I will bring you through them. I'll take you. I won't leave you nor forsake you, I will be with you every step of the way. Isaiah 59 and verse 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now there are two ways to look at this verse. There is no uh, comma there at flood in the original language. So some scholars say it means when the enemy comes in, Like a flood, the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. In other words, that the enemy comes in to try to destroy, thinking that he is accomplishing that which he set out to do, to steal, kill, and destroy God's people, to tear you down in your faith. But he says, the the word of God says, that when the enemy comes in, God quickly answers him like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Either way, whether... It is the flood of the enemy. God still raises, raises a standard. The word flood is the word Nahar. And it gives the idea simply of something like a great sea or a great river like the Nile or the Euphrates. Where it, it gives the idea actually of prosperity, where it prospers itself against you. 
Do you ever feel that the enemy and the things that's happening in your life and the things that are wrong in your life, the things that have come against you and the circumstances and the situations that have come up against you, you ever think that they're prospering and you seem to be overwhelmed and they seem to be overcoming and you seem to be the one who's drowning? You think that the fire is going to consume you and burn you because it's come so strong against you? It's like a sea or a great river that's pushing. It's prospering and you seem to be diminishing. Brothers and sisters, we must understand the flourish in the faith. We must understand that it is not in who we are or what we think, but it is in whom we believe. And it is in the word of God. When the Lord says, you will not drown, he will be with you, he will bring you through it, then he will. And even though some of us get to our very wit's end corner, yet wit's end corner is different every time I visit it. God has changed it from the last time. And brought me from it. What's end corner is different. In this God is molding and making his people. He lifts up a standard to chase, to put to flight the enemy. You need to grasp hold of faith this morning. Flourish in your faith and say, I have little, but what I have I know is from you. And what I have from you is in you, Lord. Listen to what it says in verse 7 of our reading. Psalm 92 verse 7 says, When the wicked spring up as the grass, and the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is they that shall be destroyed forever. Notice the word flourish, mark it. We'll talk about it in a moment. The wicked spring up as grass. Notice they're standing. They are as grass. And when the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is they that shall be destroyed forever. The devil's wiles the enemy's ploys, and all that he endeavors to do against God's people will come to nothing to those who are in Christ because Christ has defeated him for you at the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood and he cried it is finished and our debt was paid in full. Your sin and my sin, your transgressions and iniquities and mine, your sicknesses were born in his body by his stripes and with his stripes we are healed. We need to realize and flourish in the faith that Christ has paid it all and that you and I are walking in victory. We need to remember that. Psalm 92, the proclamation of giving thanks and singing praises tells us that it brings understanding to us. Notice in verse 6. Verse 6, in the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. Sorry, I'm in the wrong psalm. Pardon me, I'm in the wrong one. Verse 6, a brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. In other words, when you and I are in Christ, we have wisdom. When you and I are in Christ, you and I have not only the wisdom that God will impart to us at asking. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. How do I deal with this? Then ask God. I have. Keep asking God. Let him ask God. God's word says, if you ask for wisdom, you will get it. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand. See the word brutish man, know what it means? A man brute. That's the way it reads. A man brute. In other words, one whom God has endowed with manhood but has debased himself to brutehood. 
There are many who are debasing themselves the brutehood. God has created them in his own image. They won't live in the image of God. They don't want to know God's word. They're dead in their trespasses and in their sins. I was once there. I was once there. But now I have understanding of the gospel and salvation in Christ alone. This one whom God has endowed with manhood has debased himself in brutehood. A man as being of God's creation in his own image, but as a brute as being self-molded. And what the enemy wants you to do, brother, sister, is to self-mold. Self-mold into your own thinking. Self-mold into what the world wants you to become. To mold yourself to fit in with the world. To mold yourself to fit in with whoever or whatever else. Instead of molding yourself to the word of God and being conformed to the image of Christ through the word. And when we have our minds changed in repentance of the mind, a changing of the mind, we start to change from the inside out and we start to mold into Christ's image. Victorious in Christ. Glorious through Christ. And only in Christ. Notice this. He takes no knowledge of God's great works, but grunts and goes his way as I've written. He has no sanctified principle of wisdom about him and looks no further than a beast or an animal does. Looks no further than a beast or an animal does. God did not create you to be a brute man or woman. He did not create you to be like the animal. He did not create you in his own image to debase ourselves. Rather, he created us that we, even after the fall, might be conformed into the image of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who worship and give thanks will find themselves refreshed or anointed by the Spirit. This will increase our faith. We will flourish in the faith. Notice Psalm 92. And let your eye run down to verse 10. But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. See, when you read about the horn of the unicorn, it means strength. My horn hast thou exalted. It means you've strengthened me. Here is the promise of God to strengthen those who trust in him. Here's the promise of God for those who realize, I can do nothing here. Look at, uh, we, we stood at that wee baby's bed and realized, Lord, even the doctors are so concerned. We don't know, this ain't looking too good. We don't think she's going to make it. In fact, at one point they said she wasn't. And we stood and we said, Lord, all we can do is call on you. My hands can't do it and your hands can't do it. Nothing about me can do it. It's strange when we started to call on God and all the people praying, God has heard prayer, realizing that it's in him and not in us. It's all in him. You're at your weakest, it's all about him. You know when you feel at your weakest, it isn't that you need to get up and be anything special at that time. He just loves you because he knew you from before the foundation of the world. 
But thou, by my horn, shalt thou exalt like the unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. The fresh oil really means green oil. See the term fresh oil, green oil. What they did was they took the olive off the tree and they boiled it sometimes. And it made it into more of a milky oil. It was like a, 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 li- a more liquidized form of oil. But here green oil was unboiled oil. It was pure crushed oil where they just got the olive and they crushed every ounce of the oil out of it and the purity ran out. It wasn't boiled. It wasn't watered down in other words. In other words, the oil was used for various things too. It was, it was used for medicine and it was more uh, powerful for medicinal purposes, efficacious in, in its application to a, a wound. Remember the man who was who was found on the road to Jericho and uh, the good Samaritan comes and pours in the oil and the wine. He pours in pure oil, but the, the, the efficacy of it and, and the wine, this is the, the oil of the Spirit and the blood of Jesus is the wine. And he's pouring it in and he's saying, I'm, I'm going to lift you from your, your hurt and I'm going to lift you from your, your, your weakness and I'm going to take you whenever you can't and I'm going to bring you close to me that whenever you're trusting in me, I'm pouring in oil and I'm pouring in wine as it were and I'll take you where you'll be looked after. It's strengthened in me. And here this fresh oil means the green oil, the most powerful oil it means. And you see, the problem is many of us as Christians, many of us even as many of churches, they have what's known as watered down the things of the Spirit. In other words, the, the, uh, trusting in God and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we now realize that, well, the Holy Spirit is only in a box and he can only move when we tell him to move and do when we tell him to do it and, and maybe he won't even be able to do it at all. And yet we forget that he is the omniscient, om, omnipresent, omnipotent Holy Spirit. We forget these things. We water down our, the word of God. We boil our faith till there's very little spirit imputed faith left. And sometimes circumstances boil our faith. We end up with milky faith, watery faith. We end up with a faith that hasn't got the potency in it to carry us through. Maybe you feel what you've come through, you've just been boiled boiled and boiled again. God will anoint you with fresh oil. Pure oil. Give you the strength to be able to come through. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. We are admonished to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. In Ephesians chapter 5 the apostle tells us, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. The idea is to be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. You don't fill your car tank once and drive it and hope to drive it forever. Wish that was possible, but it's not. We must be in his presence. 
flourish in our faith, we must be in his presence. To flourish in our faith, and we must be reading his word. To flourish in the faith, we must be in fellowship. Paul tells us in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, speaking to yourselves, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In other words, when they were in the temple, they would have sang back and forward to one another. And then you sing in your own heart. Sing a song unto the Lord. Praise him. Start thinking of his goodness. Things that are of a good report and an honest report and things that are true and lovely and just and all of those things. When we're at our lowest, that's when God said, now you're looking right. You're looking to me. Not trusting in your own strength. So I round this up. I want to look at the word flourish. Four times in this psalm, the word flourish is mentioned. First of all, verse 7, when the wicked spring as the grass, when the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. And then it is mentioned in verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And verse 14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. The term in verse 7 for flourishing here is a Hebrew word, tzutz. And it means to bud, to blossom, to show yourself. So in other words, when the wicked spring up as the grass and when the workers of iniquity start to show themselves, start to bud and to bloom and to start to, as it were, stand against us in openness. Many of us have seen our problems like that or even persons like that. And it's, they're so in your face and it's so there and it seems to be gathering momentum and strength against you. So when it flourishes, understand this, child of God, listen, every time in Scripture that something or someone was used to chasten a child of God, God then done away with them after it. Every single time. Every nation that came against Israel in the Old Testament, God done away with them after the chastening of Israel. And everything and everyone that comes against you for righteousness sake, now it must be for righteousness sake, you'll find, brothers and sisters, when they come against you for righteousness sake, that after God has used them for a chastening rod against you, he discards that person. He discards that thing. And the idea here is they show themselves. They're all bluster. And then God starts to discard it. We should give thanks that when we are chastened, and that because we are chastened, then we are not bastards. But we are legitimate children of God.
workers of iniquity will be dealt with. Leave them to God. I'm not saying that we will look to see anyone hurt, but we want to pray for them. In verse 12, notice what it says. That is the wicked and the workers of iniquity. Verse 12, the righteous flourishes in verse 12. Like a palm tree and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. In verse 13, the faithful planted believer shall flourish. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Brothers and sisters, I know going to church doesn't make you a Christian and going to church will not save you. I know that coming to this church will not save you or any church or denomination can save. Only Christ saves. Brothers and sisters, we must gather together as often as possible we can that we would be strengthened from the things of the world that we will flourish in the courts of God when we gather together as a witness. In verse 14, even in our old age, the older, righteous, planted believers shall be flourishing still. They shall still spring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. I think I'm getting fatter as the, as the years go on. I was very thin when I met Allison. And she's fattened me up, trying to lose weight at the minute. If I keep going this way, when I get older, the Lord spares me. <laughs> I'm going to need a few new suits. But it doesn't mean fat in that sense. It doesn't mean that. It means in faith. It means in power. It means in trust. It means in truth. You'll be full like a full tree flourishing with it in old age. And when the time comes, should Christ tarry that, that you and I go to the grave? We will go in fullness of faith. We will go fat and flourishing in God, trusting in Christ. It's only at that time, that time we are going to really truly need to know him. We're here to flourish is different than the word from verse 7. It's the word parakam. And it means to break forth as a bud or to extend your wings and fly. When I was growing up, my dad was a pigeon man, raised pigeons. And I partly walked, the first time I walked was to a pigeon. He was holding a pigeon and I walked to it. And I remember the young ones when they were starting to learn their feathers were coming out and they started to flap their wings, but they were getting nowhere. But you know, the more they flapped and the more those wee feathers grew and the flight feathers started to come, they stood at the end of their, their pigeon box that we made, a square wooden box, and they just flapped and flapped. They were going nowhere and their body weight was getting lighter on them as their, their feet were starting to go up, but they wouldn't just go until they were ready, until there was a set point in time when courage gripped them as it were, that leap of faith took them and they realized that whom they were, they were that pigeon with the wings that could fly. And I remember seeing that many, many times. They spread their wings and off they went and they raced and won races. Many of us are like that where we feel we're flopping, getting nowhere. 
have hardly a feather on us at the moment and sometimes the feather starts to grow and by the time we're standing on the edge of our pigeon box we're flapping our wings and we're saying Lord I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting there we feel we're getting up the mountain but halfway up we seem to settle and want to come back down again but one day it's coming soon that we'll rise up to the mountain top and we'll flap our wings and we will rise up with wings like eagles Isaiah 40 and 31 says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It didn't say they might or they hope to. It says they shall, they shall, they shall. It's one of the most positive verses in the whole of Holy Writ. And he says, they that wait upon the Lord, it means to be bound together in Christ, feasting on his word at the place of prayer, getting together to flourish one another as we worship the Lord and congregationally together. It says, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You shall, brothers and sisters. You're going to rise up. It means to spread them out and to start to fly. You shall. Notice the difference here as we close. The righteous shall flourish. Extend their wings like branches, like the palm tree shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The cedars were, the cedars were those great big trees that held up many of the great big edifice of the temple. And the carvings in them. Couldn't use soft and uh, supple uh, little thin trees with no strength in them. And you see, the cedars weren't, uh, they, they weren't the sort of tree where you planted it and there was no wind blew on it, there was no rain came on it, there was no storms passed around it, there was no sand blew upon it through sandstorms. It went through everything, but in it all, it started to grow. In it all, it started to get bigger. In it all, it started to get strong until one day they says, this can be used in the temple. That's the righteous in Christ. You are righteous now, positionally in Christ. We must walk in righteousness. It says you'll be like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 7 says the wicked are like grass. Verse 30, Psalm 37 and verse 2 says that the grass shall soon be cut down. Psalm 92 and 12 says the righteous are like a palm tree, evergreen. Psalm 104 and 16 says, The trees of the Lord are full of sap. The cedars are which the Lord has planted. In other words, when the Lord is yours and you're the Lord's and he has planted you in his kingdom, he's planted you in his house, he says, then you grow strong. Your faith flourishes. And lastly, verse 14 tells us that we will be Flourishing in our old age. The word flourishing there is the word rahanon. That means to prosper, to be full of sap, to bring forth precious oil, not watered down. Brothers and sisters, God is doing something in you. You're going to flourish in the faith. But you must trust him and lay your all on him. For he has brought you to tell you that when you're so far down, the only way is up. It's up. God bless his word to all of our hearts this morning. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.